finally, here we go on a Sunday morning on a March Madness. Sunday morning in Las Vegas, just after 8 o'clock. I'm Brian Feldman, and it is time once again for Reddit for uh, on a line. Uh, we are here live, same time every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are coming to you from the Wisden in Las Vegas because for over two years now, the pandemic has forced us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. Joining me on the show, well, he's going to try to. We have some technical difficulties today. If you're not seeing us on Facebook or YouTube, you know why. Uh, we're having issues. So only on the radio right now, so you can listen to us here. Um, but, again, uh, joining me on the show is social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrowski. I don't know if uh, we're, we're playing the Wiz's song. He does have, besides having his own studio, he does have uh, his own theme music as well. It's well-deserved. Back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio, pulling the hair out of his head, trying to figure out what's going on with our equipment today, is producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows for Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. This show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, Normally, you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. Not today, but the page is called Ottaline. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Ottaline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are still welcome. Hopefully, the phone line works. Uh, the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. And what's on tap? is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you currently own, Residential Bank Corp is the company you turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 today to get information on all the home financing options available in Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights have won their last two and are currently holding down the last available playoff spot in the Western Conference. For how long will they maintain it? Well, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Up to the minute update on the NFL's moving QB situation. Who's going to be where? We'll spend a little bit of time on that. And UNLV's head coach, Kevin Kruger, will hopefully be joining the show to talk running Rebels basketball after his first season and to help us break down today's NCAA tournament all depends on whether we can get everything coordinated here. Again, we're having some technical issues, so hopefully uh, we'll be able to come to you guys at your time. Um, but again, uh, that is what's on tap today. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bay Corp, Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on your home financing options here in the state of Nevada. Real quick, uh, Mags, if you got the intro, let's hit the uh, nightcap right now. Let's get started off. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Well, the puck starts uh, at T-Mobile Arena. Actually, right now they got a little bit of a rest after yesterday afternoon's game. They don't have to play again until Wednesday. I think that's going to be a good thing after their two wins to reorganize, figure things out, man, give Logan Thompson 
a rest as that guy has had to, to carry the brunt of the load in net with both Robin Leonard and um, Laurent Rossois being out. And he, you know what? This kid's done a, a really good job, all things considered. He's proved he's an NFL goaltender. And I'll tell you what, his stock is going up if he continues to play the way he did yesterday. Even though there were four goals given up in total in the game, after the first period, he really closed it down and made some gigantic saves in the third period and in overtime to keep the Golden Knights in them I and get up two points they desperately needed. Chris, you know, you know, again, we don't want to overemphasize, hey, this team is a team that, that could, could and should compete for a Stanley Cup. Right now they're competing for a playoff spot, and even though right now they're in that eighth seat, they have played more games than any team in the NHL going in right now, and the team that they're barely in front of, the Dallas Stars have four games in hand on them. Also a team they're right behind in chasing uh, the Edmonton Oilers who get, you know, the first three teams in each, uh, basically in each division get an automatic playoff bid. They're only three points, or I should say, uh, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're one point behind Edmonton right now, but Edmonton's also got a couple of games in hand. This is concerning, and the cool thing is that their 14 remaining games, only five of them are against teams that currently have a playoff spot. They got two games this week after a little bit of a break, both in Seattle, both against the Kraken, who have the second lowest point total in the National Hockey League, tied for that. Chris, this is the time they got to start winning right now. They can't wait for everyone to get healthy. No, I mean, you're right. And yesterday was kind of a... I mean, I don't know how to explain it. It, it. it was a wild third period in overtime, and Evgeny Dodonov, who of course has had himself quite the interesting week, ends up scoring the game winner, and, and he's done. He's done talking about the trade. He's done talking about that. He just wants to go out and help his team win. That's what he told us yesterday. And I think we, we, as in the media and the fan base and and everyone else associated with the Golden Knights, should should I think adhere to his wishes. Uh, look, the, the reality is this team has their work cut out for them. As you mentioned, 14 games remaining. They have four games, or I'm sorry, the Dallas Stars have four games in hand on the Golden Knights, only one point back. That's not something that I think favors the Golden Knights. They do play each other. I believe it is the third to last game of the season in Dallas. So uh, that, that could be a big one. Uh, Brian, I think realistically... The Golden Knights, their best option is to try to finish ahead of the Edmonton Oilers or the L.A. Kings. And they play Edmonton once again. Uh, that game up in Edmonton, I believe it's about two weeks from today. Maybe maybe a little later. I think it's like April 10th or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what the date is. But I, they, they have a road trip where they go through Alberta. And I think because of the way that this team played on that last road trip, they've lost seven straight road games they're going to have to find a way to win games that they probably won't be favored to win. Um, look, you've got two games against Seattle coming up next week, back-to-back. I don't like that for the reason that Seattle's not very good. So if you go out and you blow the doors off of them in the first game, Seattle gets to come right back, and they're going to be angry because they're professionals, and they don't want to get their doors blown off. So I don't like the back-to-back games against uh, the same team. I I I wish the the league wouldn't have scheduled that. Look, maybe schedule the Vancouver game in between, but nonetheless, they've got three games next week on the road, all in the Pacific Northwest. If you lose, I think if you lose any of those games, I think you really have to think that that 
it it just becomes so much more difficult. Uh, look, the, 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 we got we got to see Alec Martinez return to the lineup yesterday. I think he provided a big boost. Obviously, his leadership is something that 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 is important. But uh, you know, also he's a good player. So you, you know, I mean, the health of this team is something that I think. And, and can we stop the narrative that they're manipulating the salary cap? Like to me, that's the worst argument because this team isn't in the playoffs. So why would it benefit them to to manipulate the salary cap to keep their best players out of the lineup? It, it makes no sense. Look, if you're ten games up, or, or if you're ten points up, if you're if you're in the situation Calgary or Colorado's in, I might listen to that argument. But the fact that they're basically percentage points from being out of the playoffs, it, it's not. It doesn't hold water. Riley Smith is is an important player. They need. Riley Smith. They need Mark Stone. They need Max Pacioretty. They need Braden McNabb. They need Robin Leonard. So, I, I mean, look, it's 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 a weird argument made by people who hate this franchise. It, it holds no water. Uh, and, you know, there, there were reports yesterday that maybe Robin Leonard close to returning. I think that's good. But Logan Thompson's been phenomenal. He was amazing yesterday. Like, like I know people look and say, oh, he gave up four goals. But watch the game. Don't look at don't look at the score. Watch the game. He he is the reason that they won that game yesterday because when Chicago's best players were on the ice, and I'm talking to Brinkett, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, uh uh Kirby Doc, Dominique Kubalik, when those players were on the ice for the Blackhawks, Logan Thompson had to be the best player for the Golden Knights because his defense was a bit shaky. And he he's look, he he's proven that he belongs. He's proven that he could play at this level. And I think that's a that's a great thing for the Golden Knights heading into to the stretch run. Yeah, there's no doubt that Logan Thompson, you know, and, and, and that's a question um I have and and we'll talk about this. I don't want to take too much more time up because I know Coach Kevin Kruger is gonna be on with us in a minute. Um but I did want to say that with Logan Thompson, if this guy continues to play this way I mean, he held down the fort in the third and in overtime when they needed him desperately. And I think yesterday's game was monumental to come back in 57 games that they have trailed by three goals or more going into the third period. They have never won or tied those games until yesterday. And I think that is a gigantic boost to give them a couple of days rest before they go back-to-back Seattle. Chris, the only reason I disagree with you, I agree with you that Seattle will come out angry. But if this is a playoff team, you have to go into Seattle and win both those games. You can't blow them out on Wednesday and then have an excuse, well, you know, they were angry. you got to beat a bad, angry Seattle team if you are a playoff and a Stanley Cup contender, period. And then, yes, you're going to have a tough road going up to Vancouver, but then you get to come home and play the Coyotes, the worst team in hockey. To me, you've got to go 3-1 and one in those four games at worst, if not 4-0. and zero. Again, other teams have games in hand. This is a time the Vegas Golden Knights have to figure out a way to win, and they're going to have to do it without players. Other teams do it. And again, William Carrier left the game yesterday with a lower body injury. That's probably the toughest player on this team. Maybe him or Keegan Colasar. That's a gigantic loss. They need to get him back. You know, you don't know what's going on with uh, Brett Howden because he has been what an addition. He's been to this squad this year. He got carried off by the stretcher Thursday. Everyone says, He's okay. He was at the practice facility on Friday at City National Arena, but his his return is right now he's indefinitely out. We don't know it. And that is a player they are going to need. He has been a 
continuous spark plug to this team. And as you mentioned, Chris, Mark Stone, Pacioretty, Riley Smith, Braden McNabb, Robin Leonard, Lauren Brisla, they all need to come back. Uh, you know, to give this team back what it needs for the playoffs and make the playoff run. I agree with you. Manipulating the salary cap right now is the last of their concerns. They just want to get people healthy and on the ice. They'll figure all that out. They want to make the playoffs. And the thing is, is if this team makes the playoffs, if this team has the run that they are capable of having and they make the playoffs and everyone does get healthy on this team, no one is going to want to play them. They could be the most dangerous eighth seed in the history of the sport. Even though you had L.A. Kings win the Stanley Cup out of the eight whole years ago, that was strictly with Jonathan Quick being out of his mind. This team cumulatively can be one of the best teams in the NHL when they're all healthy, regardless of the record. And if they squeak into the playoffs and they're all healthy, trust me, even a team like Colorado will fear the Golden Knights because the Golden Knights have handled them in the postseason before. I'll leave it with that again. 14 games remain in the season. Five home games, nine road games, five games against current playoff teams. Every team in the NHL has games in hand on the Golden Knights because, again, they've played more, more games than any team in the NHL. But I still believe with the remaining schedule, looking at the games, I don't care that they've lost their last seven games on the road. I think this next week they're going to be 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh against the, the schedule, and that's going to bode well for them because they really need to start accumulating points in a hurry. And I agree with you, Chris. I think they need to find a way to slide into the third slot to guarantee them a playoff berth. And then, hey, it's a brand-new season once the postseason comes. We've seen it many times. And this team healthy is as good as any in the National Hockey. Let's move on. I know we've got Kevin, uh, Coach Kevin Kruger of UNLV on the line with us right now. Coach, sorry we're running a little bit late, and we had technical difficulties. But since I was born with a face for the radio anyways, I'm sure our audience doesn't mind not having to see me today on YouTube and Facebook Live, and they can just hear us both on the radio. Appreciate you joining the show, Coach. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. You know, Coach, um, you know, this season – I don't think anyone had a lot of expectations. I'm sure in the locker room, the players and the coaches did, but the rest of it, everybody was kind of just looking, seeing what it's going to be like your first season, trying to establish a new culture. How would you rate this season right now, looking at it now in retrospect? Well, I thought we had a great year. I mean, like kind of like you said, you know, you go through the ups and downs of the season, and you know, there's times where you're feeling on on cloud nine, and then there's times where you're thinking you're not going to it's not going to be the season that you, you hoped for and thought of. But, you know, we met with all the guys afterwards as a group, of course, after our last game and then individually throughout. And, you know, you, you feel sense that they, they, they still had a sense of pride of, uh, of, you know, kind of representing UNLV the way we wanted to be represented and, uh, you know, fighting and competing and, and, you know, having when fans and alums and former players are coming up saying how proud they are of the guys for just how hard they play and how they, how they fight and compete. I'm not really sure in a, in a first year what more we could ask for. Uh, the guys dealt with a lot of injuries and a lot of uh, COVID uh, pauses that kind of disrupted our rhythm, which was, you know, as we talked about last, you know, almost last summer, was our, our biggest concern was how much time we were going to have together and if we were going to have enough time. And I think what, uh, what the city saw and what UNLV fans saw toward the end of the year was a healthy UNLV team and I think that's why, you know, there's some optimism going forward and, and the, the fan base is, is proud of the guys for, for the year they had and proud of them for how they competed. Hey, and I think the optimism going forward, as you said, you didn't take a day off as soon as 
you got bounced from the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Conference Tournament. You went right, sat down with every player. Eight scholarship players returning. That is big because we haven't seen a lot of that the last couple of years at UNLV. We've seen a lot of people entering the portal, exiting, and a lot of good things, I think, happened with UNLV. One of the things I saw a coach talked about it after the Wyoming game at the press conference was this team diving on the floor, really going after things as, as the season went on. Um, and one of those, one of those really bright spots was without question was the return of Bryce Hamilton. I know last year we first had you on the coach when you first, when we first had you on the show, uh, coach, right after you got the job, you know, we talked a little bit about you had gone around to each player. It didn't sound very encouraging that Bryce was coming back. Not only did he come back, he had a hell of a season, led the conference in points per game average. And of course, first team, all conference player. How big was it bringing Bryce Hamilton back, and what did he mean to you, especially having a guy like that in your inaugural season as head coach? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when we talked last summer. We weren't sure. You know, he had a lot of options, and um, he kind of took that leap of faith in us to come back. And But it was great because a lot of the conversations with Bryce are, are you know, what the other guys kind of saw – what what I want our relationship to be like between coach and player, where you know almost never did I have to raise my, did we raise our voice or did we have you know screaming matches at each other? Well, we never had that, and but it's because of there's that year of and that two years of of knowing each other. So you know Bryce knew with my tone what I meant. You know I knew how he was feeling through the last few years. So now, as you mentioned, those eight guys coming back, you know they know what we what we want as a staff and, and what we think is good, what we, what we're looking to, to not repeat or not do again. And, and they know my tone, they know, they know the, which is tone and we know how they are when they're not feeling great or, or things aren't clicking. So instead of everything kind of being a, you know, spending a few months and a handful of games figuring each other out now, I think we're past that. And, you know, the, the, the kind of the foundation and the cornerstone of, of the culture that, these the new players for next season will be walking into. We just couldn't be more excited, more proud of the guys coming back because we think they're going to be great, mature, uh, adult, you know, kind of leaders that root for each other, but you know, also compete against each other uh, at the same time. You know, coach, one player this year enters the portal. A player nobody was a surprise that did, but. That is very unique for this team since the portal's been around. All you know, there has been several players each year that at least talk about it. Only one, and I think it's testament to you simply because I did talk to Bryce Hamilton a couple weeks ago. I interviewed him. Uh, we played the interview on the show, and I asked him flat out, you know, why did you stay? And he said, the coach. So that it didn't surprise me that eight scholarship players are returning again. You know, this hasn't been talked about a lot, and I don't want to brush broach on it too much. But Marvin Coleman, obviously a Las Vegas product. Uh, what happened with him? Yeah, I think you know that you like you mentioned he's the only guy in the portal, and you know we we wish him all the best. Uh, it, there's no hard feelings, I believe, in either direction, but it, it's just something where you know he's looking for a little bigger role, maybe a little more uh, kind of of uh, maybe uh, I don't want to say security, but a little more consistency probably in in what he's asked to do, uh, and so. Well, we we're all for it. Uh, Marvin's a great guy, great kid, uh, a great person in the Las Vegas community, and so it, it, we're hoping like crazy and do whatever we can to kind of help him find exactly what he's looking for, uh, wherever that may be.
Coach, you got those five scholarships available. It would be four uh, because you had uh, so far only one really recruit out of high school that we're seeing a four-star recruit. Looking forward to seeing him come in. Um, uh, I'm not trying to pronounce his name. I think it's Keyron Lindsey. But uh, how about with Jordan McCabe? He's going to be a fifth-year senior because of the COVID and the um, the protocol. This scholarship doesn't count against UNLV, so it gives you those five scholarships. Um, that has to be helpful. With those scholarships, Coach, are you looking to go after high school players? Are you looking to get in that portal? Uh, I know that it's going to be really hard to replace a guy like Bryce Hamilton, a guy that scores 23 points a game, but do you figure going into the portal, finding some transfers, maybe cumulatively with a couple of guys replacing Bryce? Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. Uh, that's exactly how I would have answered it. Um, we're, we're our first and foremost priority is to get some some guys that kind of, like you said, cumulatively, uh, I don't want to say replace, but kind of fill, you know, what we're losing. You know, Royce is, was a ten and ten guy, and uh, Bryce obviously was over twenty a night offensively. So our, our first priority is to go get um, some guys that, and they may not, they're not going to be identical to those two in terms of size and role, but you know, that a group, you know, maybe two or three that we can put together that add to the group we have and and can kind of cumulatively fill the defensive rebounding the defensive presence and then the offensive presence that that Bryce gave and uh with the portal you know it's a thing that's changing every day so you know if we were to talk about specifics today um they'd be one direction and then you know by what what's today the 27th by you know April 5th there's there's going to be 100 150 different names and it could change a little bit whereas you know, on paper, you, you look at it as a coach and you say, well, this is how we want to look. This is what we want to do. This is how we want it to be. And then you get certain names that hit the portal and you kind of got and evolved just kind of the same way players do when uh, the season goes along because, you know, it, it, it's not a perfect science. So you, you have somebody in mind maybe or some or prototype of what you want to get, but it just doesn't always work out that way. So things are always changing, but we do – you know, it's no secret. I don't think we're surprising anybody by having the conversation that we got to replace a lot of points and we got to replace some experience. And that's what the portal is for. Coach, what did you learn being a head coach for the first time this year? Oh, man, I don't know how much time you got on your show. But, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, everything. I, you know, I, I've had, obviously, everybody knows my dad is a, is a Hall of Fame coach. Um, but I've also, I've got a number of great mentors in my life. That you know, while the while a lot of what my dad suggests to me and says to me still comes with almost a protective uh, tone to it in certain areas. You know, I've got a ton of people in my life and a lot of people that you know don't worry about that. They shoot me really straight, and I think uh, the number of things that I learned just couldn't even be. <laughs> it'd be almost impossible to talk about without going, you know, and just and just spearing off into another conversation and this and that, but. I definitely learned that the one thing that was consistent when, when we got here was people talking about the staff and how you just want to make sure that, you know, the, that you're all together. And I just don't think we could have done any better and gotten any luckier than the group of guys that we've got around the players every day. And, uh, I mean, it goes all the way down the line through the university. I think in terms of, Going forward and adding pieces of people that come in, I think they're going to see a unified front of of kind of people at UNLV that want them to do see them do well and want to do whatever they can to help them do well. And I think 
you know, that, that was kind of the most consistent message all the way from Lon Kruger and Dana Altman to, you know, the Dan O'Dowd, Russ Pennell, people that, you know, I've, I've known for a long time. So I thought we, we hit it out of the park in that regard. And uh, I think that's uh, why we're another reason why we're optimistic going forward is because of the people we're going to bring the, bring the players around and to be a part of their life every day. Coach, last question about UNLV, and I do want to get your, your thoughts on the NCAA tournament, the final four, the greatest Cinderella story in history happening today. But before I do that, um, just want to ask you, with, with UNLV going forward, um, this, this coming next year, you know, it is going to be a new culture. What kind of culture are you trying to create here? And if I'm a fan at UNLV, I'm a student at UNLV, why should I start getting involved, and why should I return to the Thomas and Mac? Well, I just think, you know, the guys, the culture, the experience we want our guys to have is that they're having fun, you know, because it should still be fun at this level. You know, it doesn't have to, it's not yelling and screaming all the time and cussing and kicking, kicking dirt up at them. It's, uh, it should be fun competing and trying as hard as you can. And I think, you know, along with the, you know, the effort that the university put in to get people back to the Thomas and Mac was, it, it was remarkable. I mean, the, the, you know, I think maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred people for the first game, and then finishing the year with seven, eight thousand uh, on senior night in the middle of the week is is pretty impressive. And but I, I think that in large part, you know, that group that was out there last year was pretty easy to to sell in a sense. And uh, you know, watch how hard they play. You talked about guys diving on the floor in the stands, picking each other up. I mean, that's what those are the guys you want to root for. You know, you want your player, your team that you're rooting for, you want the players to do that, to be having fun, competing and fighting. And, uh, and that's kind of the culture we want to be. We want to, we want to be known as a school that's going to guard like crazy and uh, compete like crazy. And I think in their last six weeks, when we, every, almost every game we won, the team was in the 50s. We held them at our opponent in the 50s. And then, you know, we hold Wyoming to 59. We just couldn't get over that 60 hump. And, uh, and I think that's what we want our identity be, to be like. Uh, we'll keep getting better offensively. Uh, we said from day one, you know, we, don't, we didn't feel we had enough time to do a whole bunch of sweet stuff offensively uh, because we had 10 new guys. And we spent all our time defensively, and I think uh, we started to see that click toward the end of the year. But I think that's what we want. We want fans coming in knowing that they're going to watch a group of guys that are going to dive on the floor not care about offensive statistics. They're just going to play as hard as they can, play the game the way it's supposed to be played, and and represent Vegas and UNLV the way it's supposed to be represented. This is a fighter's town, and and I think that's the that's the guys we want to put on the floor. I like it, the fighters, and and you know it's not just a cliche; it's a fact. Defense wins championships, and they start there and work outward, which it seems that UNLV is heading in that direction. I think the sky is the limit. Uh, Coach, stick around with us for one second. We're gonna Chris is gonna play fact this now, and I'd like to just ask your opinion on the NCAA tournament. Okay. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Yeah, it's a fact. History will, in fact, be made today a little after 2 p.m. This is because at 2.05, for the first time ever, a 15 seed will take the court in the Elite Eight. Coach, you know, this is just a testament to college basketball and that a good coach goes somewhere, recruits the right players, coaches them up. Wow. 
look what's happened the last two years. We've had two seeds make the Sweet 16, and now for the first time ever, a school named St. Peter's that my our producer Chris Chapman's familiar with because he's from that area. I didn't even know they existed before this year, and here they are in the Elite Eight. How exciting is that? Oh, it is, but I think what it's showing is is just the parody of the game and how you know you know the old cliche that everyone kind of half believed, half didn't, and then you know if you can anyone can win on any given night, and then UMBC beats Virginia, and it kind of catches everybody's attention, and and then now we've got a 15 seed in the Elite Eight. Uh, you know, it, it just kind of cements that idea, and there will probably be another one next year or two years from now that it does something similar, but. It makes for, uh, you know, must-watch, can't-miss TV if you're a fan of the sport. And even if you're not, I, I think the storyline alone is, is something you, that you've that you got to pay attention to when you, anytime you see something that's never been done. And then here you got, on the other side, you got Jim Laranega, who's been an unbelievable coach and had an unbelievable career, who takes Miami to the Elite Eight for the first, the first time in their school's history. And that's just a footnote <laughs> in this year's Elite Eight because of what St. Peter's is doing. But... I, I would be surprised more often than not that wasn't the case in the NCAA tournament where you have one school that's doing something that maybe they've never done or their conference has never done, and then you have somebody else that's like, I'll see your you know, accomplishment and I'll raise you this. And, and I think that's what makes March Madness so special. My wife doesn't do a lot of, of sports before we got married, or, and every year about this time, you could set your clock to it. She will look over to me or to someone who's around and she will say, this is why they call it madness, huh? And you just kind of nod your head and you're like, yep, this is exactly why. And this year has not disappointed. That was so cool. And, you know, Coach K, love him, hate him, whatever. I mean, his accomplishments speak for themselves. And once again, to his swan song, going to be one of, I think, 10 coaches that have reached the final four in their final season. Only two, Al McGuire and John Wooden, have actually won the won the the championship in their final season. Pretty amazing. And as you said, these stories are crazy. We once again, the cream seems to always rise to the top at the end, and it looks like the ACC turned out to be the best conference in the country this year. Still, they could end up with three teams in the final four if Miami and, and uh, North Carolina both win today. Uh, no question, it, it, it's incredible what's going on. Coach, real quickly again about St. Peter's. 13-point underdogs to Purdue, 8.5-point underdogs today to North Carolina, who is playing better and better and better. I mean, realistically, of course it's possible, but can this run continue for St. Peter's? I think so. I mean, you know, North Carolina, of course, your knee-jerk reaction is that they're big, they're physical, and but then you got to remember they've beaten maybe two of the biggest, most physical teams in the tournament with Purdue and Kentucky. So you can say, yeah, North Carolina's just got a bunch of monsters down low, but so did Purdue. And so did Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky had the best rebounder of the game seen in a long time, one of the most physical guys in Sheway, and they figured out a way to get it done. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, why, you know, it, it it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it, it could go forever, and, you know, it, it, but again, it's, it could be done today. It's just uh, that's the beauty of the game. But if I can also say, uh, like, if you think about the, those Duke guys, you know, I know it's Coach K's last year. But the pressure that those the players have been under and to perform and get to the Final Four, I mean, that is, it, that's remarkable because you know that's all they're hearing about. And, you know, watching the game last night, I, I was just it, – it was almost nice to see them 
you know, their guys just almost take almost a little bit of a, a, a deep breath after and exhale a little bit after the game because they've been, you, you can't even imagine the pressure they've been under to make this a special season considering it's his last. Oh, no, I agree. I thought really a little bit of the pressure got alleviated from Duke when they lost the final game at Cameron to North Carolina. Such a disappointment, but all of a sudden people started thinking, okay, Duke's not that good. And I thought a little bit of the pressure that that might have been the best thing that happened to them before this tournament because it really kind of get like, hey, now we've got to win. And, uh, and, and, I, and, and I think it's enjoyable, and no matter what happens, it's an unbelievable run. 13 final fours for this guy. Like I said, love him or hate him, his accomplishments are, are unmatched, and uh, all the accolades are very warranted. They just are, you know, period. Coach, finally going to put you on the spot. Who's winning the national championship? Oh, wow, that is uh, that is on the spot. Um, well, well, of course, you know, you got the, you still got the two games today. But, uh, you know, Duke, the way they're playing, I mean, a very good Arkansas team, and they, they never really seem to be in doubt. Um, but then, you know, if Carolina can get, get the win over St. Peter's today, they, they, they go into that game against Duke pretty confident. So, I don't know. I mean, if I had to pick one, it would be hard to, be, to pick against Coach K, who just you know, tallied up the most. Final fours of any coach in history, so or tied it, or or something along those lines. So it'd be pretty hard to go against them. I can't argue with you. I mean, it would be the perfect swan song for him. Like I said, there's a lot of Duke haters out there, understandably so, because uh, Duke has probably ruined your dreams once again. I know my brackets destroyed most people out there. Uh, once again, today we have been joined by uh, Coach Kevin Kruger, UNLV, getting ready to coach in his second season this year. Coach, wish you the best of luck in the portal, getting those five scholarships filled, and I'm hoping to see what we saw towards the end of the season at the Thomas and Mac ne- next year because I've always said a college stadium should be packed. It's an opportunity. It, there's nothing like the environment in a college basketball facility, and the Thomas and Mac to me is one of the still one of the nicest facilities in the country when that place is packed. Wish you all the best, Coach. Uh, thank you, guys. That is, Coach, once again, Coach Luther. Got a couple more minutes on the show, guys, and, and uh, we'll talk to you. I'd, lo- I'd love to get Spencer's thoughts. We'll have to get his next week when we get everything shored up here. But, Chris, you know, I'm looking at this Final Four. I, I know that both you and I are not big Coach K fans at all, and we're just hoping that this swan song ends at some point before uh, he's cutting down more nets. But, you know, it is a pretty miraculous run, again, that Duke has made, especially losing that final game at Cameron. And you got to give the guy props, man. 13 final fours. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what more can be said about this guy. And, again, the road gets a little bit easier for him. I mean, North Carolina will be a tough game. But on the other side, you look at Villanova right now, as good as they are, without Justin Moore, and I know they said the x-rays were negative yesterday, but that guy really, um, he he is such a big punch for them from the outside. And, you know, Colin Gillespie did not have a great game yesterday, although he's played really good in the tournament. He's without question that team's leader. But having Justin Moore as a running mate in the backcourt is really what, what I think even makes him better. Huge loss for Villanova, and I think that – depletes the game. I just don't think this kid, based on the fact that he could barely walk, is going to be back by next week unless we're missing something. And um, I think the winner of the NCAA comes from the other side. And I don't see North Carolina going down today. I think it's going to be the winner of the North Carolina Duke game is going to end up winning the national championship. Yeah, as, as much as I'd love to see St. Peter's do do the unthinkable and, and make that Final Four, 
Um, you know, one of their strengths has been kind of slowing down the point guard, right? Like they did a really good job of that against Purdue. Uh, but Caleb Love is is a different species. You know, he he's on a different planet right now. The way he's playing, he was he was out of his mind the other night for North Carolina. Um, I, I I'll I'll say this: Look, the St. Peter's thing is absolutely incredible. Yesterday would have been my father's birthday. He grew up five five minutes from St. Peter's University. So for me. Uh, you know, just to see this run, it, it, it's incredible in the way it's put Jersey City uh, 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 just uh, right on the map. But, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I won't give props to Coach K. I can't stand the guy. I don't care. He's getting no love from me, no props from me. I don't know, and, and, and I've tried to think about it, but I don't know if there's a more polarizing or I should say uniting figure in all of sports where more people universally hate a guy and his team more than college basketball fans hate Coach K. Like, if you think about it, like, not everybody hates Tom Brady, right? Like, there's a lot of people who like Tom Brady. There's a lot of people who like LeBron James. There's a lot of people who love Michael Jordan. There are a ton of people, and unless you're a Duke homer, and in that case, unless you went to the school, you shouldn't be a Duke fan because it's a disgusting program, and he's a cheat, and unfortunately the NCAA has never cracked down on him. There's a laundry list of things that that program has done and gotten away with. Uh, Lance Thomas, $10,000 in jewelry the year they beat Butler. Nothing done, just went away miraculously. Corey Maggette swept under the rug. Same exact thing that happened with Michigan with, uh, who, who was it that, that got busted? Was it Trailer? Yeah, the tractor trailer, right? You know, the, the the same exact stuff Michigan got nailed for and had to take down banners, swept under the rug with Corey Maggette. No problem, Duke. We love you. No. I hope they lose. I, I look, I, I, I think from the aspect that the St. Peter's thing would be a great story, I can't see them beating Duke because it's gonna be eight on five for them. But it's been a great story, Brian, and, and I'm thrilled and I, I do think it comes to an end today. I just think North Carolina is too good. Um, look, Caleb Love has, has been phenomenal for them, and I think he's gonna gonna lead them. You know, he was quiet in the first half the other day, turned it on in the second half. Uh, you know, the, to me, uh, Miami is kind of sliding under the radar. You know, I mean, defensively they're solid. Jim Laranega's been to a Final Four. Uh, it was fun to watch them kick TJO out of the tournament. Iowa State really never had a chance in that one. Uh, the ACC has, has just been phenomenal, and and you know what? I'll be honest. I'm I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Miami here. I, I I think it's a great story. You know, we'll see. the The Hurricanes really look good. Larry Nega has done such a great job there, no question about it. But the one team no one's talking about, none of us have, is the only number one seed left, yeah. the Kansas Jayhawks. And I'll tell you what. Bill Self quietly is a really good team, and not even quiet. The problem with Kansas is they've lost a couple of really bad games this year, and they've showed vulnerability. And oh, they struggle they against Providence against the ten seed Miami, possibly. But Bill Self is one of the best coaches in the country, and this team should not be overlooked. The Kansas Jazz could easily be cutting down the, the nets a week from Monday night. Listen, we're out of time. I really appreciate Coach, uh, UNLV coach Kevin Kruger joining the show. Chris Chapman back in studio for getting things figured out and uh, being part of it. And of course, Spencer the Wiz didn't get to join the show. We'll get all of his thoughts next week. Um, I do think North Carolina is going to beat St. Pete's. And as good as Miami's played, everyone's talking about the Cinderella story on that side. 
I think Miami goes down to Kansas today. I just think Kansas has too much firepower and no one's talking about them. And then we'll see what happens next week in the Final Four uh, when it all goes on. Once again, this is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday, same time, 8 to 9, Fox Sports Radio, uh, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Gold Knights. I'm Brian Feldman again, Chapman, Spencer, Ostrovsky. We will be back, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.